Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. We hope you'll be encouraged to have an I'm Third approach as you navigate family, leadership, and spiritual growth. If you're new to our conversation, welcome. It's so great to have you. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. My name is Shay Robbins. I'm here with my teammate, co-host, and the K-1 Women's Assistant Director, Beth Ann Lampley. Hello, glad to be here. Beth Ann, it's another beautiful day in the Ozarks. It happens to be early May. Yes, it does. Just a slow time around here, Shay. No kidding. Early <laughs> May signifies our coaching staff, which are the leaders of our camps. They're in their vehicles. They're headed this way. Many of our veteran guys, we call them uncles around here, um, which I'm actually going to ask Joe about the history of that, <laughs> that word and why that, that is. Um, they're driving this way. Joe, we're kind of breaking your introduction. Everybody knows you're sitting in here. Where did the word uncle, that phrase for kind of our, the core well, vet guys sure. come from? We're talking about Kanika inside talk um, for all the oldies would know, but uh, Kanika's founder was named Uncle Bill Lance. And he wasn't our uncle, but everybody called him uncle. We have no idea why. And then he had a dear old Swedish caretaker named Uncle Bob Calden. He wasn't her uncle, but everybody called him uncle. And so uh, back in 1972, I believe, uh, Bill Beakley, a wrestler from Oklahoma University, and Cliff Thomas, who played defensive tackle at Texas A&M, and Dennis Carruth, who played middle linebacker at Texas A&M, all came up early to help me get camp ready. And so we've said, okay. Since you came up a week early, we'll play like you were here all winter. So we'll call you uncles. Yes. So it was Uncle Dennis and <laughs> Uncle Uncle Bill and No and, way and Uncle Cliff, and so they got to be honorary uncles. They were only here a week, but we played like we'd been here all winter. So that it, is seriously that's so fun. I've been here for seventeen years, and I didn't know the real story <laughs> behind that. Uncle Bill, Uncle Bob, Uncle Shay, and Aunt B.A. Here we are. Yes, thank the aunts you. Aunts and uncles. So obviously the aunts are our, our veteran female staff who come just a few days behind our veteran male staff, but they're the ones that whip this place into Getting shape. Getting those and that's, cabins cleaned and ready. That's what we're fixing to do, isn't it, Oh, Beth yeah, Ann? we're ready. Um, so we, we are primed for just a great adventure this summer. We're planning on the best summer ever. That's right. And uh, we happen to have the best podcast ever lined up today. B.A., tell us about it. We do. Let me tell you about it. So we have been in this series where we are talking about heart cries. And if you're joining us for the first time, let me just remind you what that is. But really, we have the gift of getting to learn from Joe's many, many years of ministry experience and loving others. And um, he's really discovered what we're calling some sacred compartments that make up everybody's heart, right? Like we all want to be understood and known and loved. We want to know that we have a purpose. And so we're on a journey together, really just towards um, wanting to gain more emotional stability. And so today, as we take our next step in this journey, we are talking about grace. We all want to know we're forgiven, right? It's one of the most basic needs of every child and every adult and every age in between. I am forgiven. And the backdrop on this precious gem that we're going to be sharing to parents, to spouses, to friends, to roommates, to wherever you are in a relationship, is how to give the grace that we so preciously cling to that comes from God on the cross. Uh, 
You know, my daughter said something to me uh, yesterday that was so wise, but she said, for some reason, the negative is easier to believe than the positive. And you can, you know, hear a hundred, you know, good things that you've done, but one bad thing, especially if it's not handled well, especially by a mom or a dad or a spouse or a best friend, can just crush all the positives and take the air out of the tire like a blowout going down the highway at 90 miles an hour. I had a dear friend uh, named Dr. Ken Taylor, and he wrote the Living Bible. I don't know if you guys remember that, Shay and uh, Beth Ann. I don't know if it's, 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 you know, it used to be the most popular paraphrase Bible, but he wrote it so he could communicate Scripture to his grandkids. And Ken was, uh, I guess he was the founder of Tyndale, uh, publishing company. But anyway, Ken came out to camp one time, a wonderful guy. And he he, he, he translated in the love chapter uh, about forgiveness. And he, he, what he called it was love doesn't keep lists. And how true that is. You know, if your child makes a mistake, yeah, you want him to say, I'm sorry. And yeah, you want your child to say, you know, mom and dad, I blew it. You know, I messed up. I own that. But but you want it, you want to hear him say, and I'm done. I'm, you know, my bad. I'm sorry, and I'm done. And then when when the child or the friend or whoever reaches the terms of the agreement of confession, my bad, I'm sorry, I'm done. My bad, I'm sorry, I'm done. Then according to God's plan for forgiveness, it's over. And we love it in Scripture when we read in like Psalms 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. He buries them in the deepest sea. God remembers our sins no more. And that's what anyone wants from somebody they love. They want to know that it's done. It's over. There's no tracks. There's no carryover. So what grace is, Bethann, it's loving others the way we hope Christ loves us. If we'll just be a mirror to our children and our spouses and our friends, if we'll just be a mirror and reflect what we want from Jesus and what we receive from Jesus by faith to our special, you know, significant people in our lives, what a happy world this will be. That's so good, Joe. And I'm sitting here as you're talking, just thinking about my parents and the grace that they showed me continually as a child. And really, I didn't realize how much grace and forgiveness that they had poured out on me until I started working for camp in the summer and I had campers around me. And um, as I was in the, the place of needing to be the one that was showing lots of grace and forgiveness, man, it, it made me call my mom on my first time off and say, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't realize how patient and how gracious and how forgiving you were with me as a child and a, a preteen who was moody and um, all of those, you know, those things. But my parents, I appreciate, you know, they always made it clear, no matter how big any of, you know, my mistakes or my siblings' mistakes, that there was nothing that we could have done that would ever cause them to love us anymore or any less. And they met us each at our, our very lowest, um, just with um, open arms and, and grace and forgiveness. And for that, I'm so thankful. 
That's so fun to hear about your household, BA. I, you know, Ashley and I in the Robbins house, one of our Robbins family values is grace is freely given and openly received. Yeah. And we, we take it from Ephesians 4.32, where it says, be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. And so we're really trying to create an environment where we're quick to forgive and we're quick to receive forgiveness because Jesus set the example. He set that standard. And as we strive to live that out, it creates a more healthy home environment. So, uh, Shay, the home is the greatest place to learn this. The home is the greatest place to model this. And it's the most critical place to live this with our spouse and with our children because it's in the early years of development that a child builds his basic psychology. And if he lives under guilt and shame, then he's going to live the rest of his life under guilt and shame, and he's going to deal guilt and shame to those who come across his path in his future. It's so critical. I remember when Debbie Joe and I were first married, and we were squabbling about something, you know, really important, like what flavor of ice cream we we're going to eat or something, <laughs> you know. Marriage box squabbles, they're always like really big deals. No you kidding. Know? Uh, but anyway, we decided that we would have a little contest in our marriage called First to Forgive. And it was it was a race. I mean, we're competitive at everything in our house, but uh, <laughs> but it's a pretty good race to have if you want to be competitive with your spouse or your family. Um, but we would just see who could be the first to come back and say, you know what, I'm really sorry. Uh, will you forgive me? And to be the first to, to just take into account what happened and go, you know what, that girl I married is so stinking special in so many ways. I, you know, I'm the luckiest person in the wide world to be married to her. Whatever that little bitty thing was, it just wasn't important. And just gained complete forgiveness uh, for the other person. Uh, I love Psalms 32. Beth Ann, mm, it's such a cleansing Psalms, and it's such a great reflection to build your grace off of as you live with your friends and your family. And it says, I, I confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. I love the thoroughness of God's grace. He not only forgives you, but even forgives the guilt that you may still be troubled with, but he's not. He's already forgiven your guilt and your sin. That is the reality of Jesus' faith. So, I really love, I just cherish every opportunity I get to share uh, Christ. And I remember I was traveling one time, and I encountered a guy. As he jabbered away with me, we went to one event together in Boulder and did a college event. And on Monday night, of all the, you know, cars in the whole taxi fleet, he happened to be my driver again. So all the way to Fort Collins, he drove me, and I let him talk, and we laughed and became friends. And then we got to the parking lot of the theater, which we were doing this college event, in, and I said, you've talked to me about your faith uh, for several hours. Can I talk to you about mine? He said, of course. And I began to unpack Scripture with him, and he began to read different Bible verses about how to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. And we got to the part on grace, and he buckled. And finally, we get to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. By grace, you've been saved through faith. And he buckles. And I look at that dear man in his handsome brown eyes. I said, would you love him less if they were in prison? He said, my children must obey. I said, I know, I know. 
But can I ask you, buddy, would you love them less if they were in prison? And Shay and B.A., he gets it. He gets grace. And he looks at me with these solemn, beautiful eyes, and he says, I suppose I would love them the same. And you could watch him get the gospel down deep in his heart. And I said, this New Testament says God wants to be your dad and love you unconditionally. That's what grace is all about. Hey, listeners, Shay Robbins here. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd like to personally ask you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. With your help, we can continue to reach more listeners. We're excited to hear from you. Please send questions to our team for a special audience Q&A recording in the future. Additionally, we're also interested to hear your suggestions for guests and topics. Send your questions and suggestions to podcast at canacuck.com. And now, back to the show. You know, interesting, Joe, that's a story of the receipt of grace and just popped in my mind a story of sometimes the challenge of giving grace. One of my favorite authors is Corey Ten Boom, and of course she wrote The Hiding Place, and her sequel to The Hiding Place was Tramp for the Lord. And after having been uh, held in a concentration camp uh, called Ravensbrück for hiding Jews in Holland, um, she escaped with her life. And after the war, God called her to go to Germany to minister to the Germans. It was the one place in the world she didn't want to go. She's very open about her resistance to that, but she finally gives way. And she tells a story about being in a room that was filled with German people, and she begins to share the gospel. And as she finishes her uh, just really gifted ability to tell stories and to bring the gospel to life, there's a line of people that are wanting to talk with her. And she goes through the whole line, and at the very end of the line is a man standing there in a long coat and a hat, and she immediately recognizes him as one of her captors. It was one of the guards from Ravensbrook. And she said her heart was so cold. And she, he walked up to her, and, and he said, uh, Miss Temboom, I don't know if you remember me, but I was one of the guards at Ravensbrook. And he said, since then, I've become a Christian, and I'm here to ask for your forgiveness. And he extends his hand to her. And the way that Corey tells it is she is like stone frozen and she's having this conversation with God. Like, there's no way right. that I could that I can soften towards this man. And all she could bring herself to do was to lift up her hand and to grab his extended hand. And she said that when when my flesh touched his flesh, when their hands took hold of one another, she felt the warmth of his hand, and it was God just released the ability to give grace. And she said in that moment, I immediately forgave that man and they threw their arms around each other. And I just think, you know, we talk about receiving grace when the walls come down with a noosh, but there's also times where it's hard to give it. And, and God gives us the ability to overcome those barriers, wounds, and walls to extend grace as well. Shay, thanks for sharing that story. Such a powerful example of tangible grace. And Joe, I'm curious, was there a time when you as a dad, you know, got to extend grace and and just really win the heart of a child through that? Mm. Oh, man. 
family so much, exchanging forgiveness, you know, kneeling by my kids when they needed to forgive me and asking them for grace. Uh, a lot of great memories of our hearts bonding, you know, as as I shared, you know, my failures and brokenness with them. And I remember one night with my one of my little girls, um, I was memorizing Psalms 103 in those days. And I got to the part when a father has, compa- I mean, as a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And I was kind of, you know, really trying to get a, a really good grasp of that powerful, powerful verse. And it happened that day that my daughter uh, was in third grade and having trouble with the little little math test. I don't know if anybody can remember, but that's kind of about the time that you're doing all your little formulas of addition and subtraction and stuff. And about like me, you know, doing that test, the, the clock was just wearing her out and she couldn't get them fast enough. She was choking, uh, you know, trying to push through the test. And and anyway, so I sat down with her on a Monday and, and we went them over again and again and again and again and again and then three times seven. And, or maybe it was plus by then. I forgot three plus seven, and uh, and we were memorizing the little the little tables, the math tables. And then I came home on Tuesday afternoon, and she was at her desk, crying. Had a stopwatch on her desk, and had about six tests wadded up and thrown on the ground. She had run off copies on the on the little copier in the office, and she was so frustrated. And I walked into her room, and she looked at me sobbing, and she goes, I failed again. And I said, can I help you? And she said, get out of my room. And I said, okay. I said, I will. But, you know, when you when you treat me like that, it just wants you to know it, it hurts. And so we went about our day, and then I walked in my room very shortly thereafter, and there was a little note on my bed, uh, a torn sheet of blue stationary paper and a purple sucker. And it said, Dad, I'm sorry about my attitude. Uh, Please forgive me. And then the purple sucker was the way of a third grader to say, here's something special for you <laughs> to underline my words. And of course, I I wouldn't have cared anyway. You know, I mean, kids say things and they come out of their mouths and they usually don't mean most of them. So I didn't have a problem with what she said. But to see that Bible verse come alive in that purple sucker, as a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And so, Shay, um, boy, isn't that fun in a family to uh, to teach grace to your children? The purple sucker holds a lot of weight in a child's economy, does it not? It does. <laughs> Man, that is a great story. Joe, as you're sharing that, um, I'm reminded of an experience I had with, it was an extended family member, and I had, I had made a, a really a minor mistake, but the words that came out of that person's mouth was, I'm ashamed of you. And amazing how stinging those words are. Mm-hmm. They, they still kind of resonate with me t- today. And, you know, there's plenty of times in your house where kids are driving you up the wall. And, and this can be the same with friendships. How do you, how do you keep f- from shaming a child when they're in the wrong? Yeah, there's, there's some gravity 
in parenting. There's gravity in friendships, and gravity is something that always works. You drop something, it's going to go to the ground unless it's made out of helium or something like that. And gravity is apparent to never, ever, ever, or to a friend or anybody, to say shame on you. It's just one of those things you just don't do. And then another one that was gravity for me, uh, because I'm so sensitive to, you know, to to the feelings of my children, uh, is I'm disappointed in you. I think that phrase is thrown around a lot in parenting, and it just heaps shame on a child when they look into your eyes. Now, I'm disappointed in what happened. I'm disappointed, you know, that, you know, you took something that wasn't yours, but I'm, you know, I, I, you know, just so as you purpose yourself as a parent not to put shame on your child, they already feel shame, or to put disappointment on them, they already feel disappointed in themselves. And so why throw gasoline on the fire? Uh, and then, uh, Shay, I think to make sure the slate is clean, to make sure that a child doesn't go to bed with shame or go to bed with self-disappointment is to make sure as a parent or even a spouse or friend, make sure that by the end of the day, you reassure that person you love with how much you believe in them and how much you love them. It is also gravity in the home. I just want you to know that I love you and I want you to know I'm proud to be your dad. And if you work hard, and sometimes you have to work hard because as Shea says, so many things just happen in the home that are so crazy and people are saying things and hurting each other just without even trying. But as you make sure to keep shame and disappointment out of the question, believe me, folks, it will help tremendously in the health of your children. I'm, I'm thinking of so many thoughts right now and uh, just a quick word to maybe somebody who currently is is struggling with guilt, shame, failure. Maybe this was your story um, growing up, but really the the battle in this is our mindset, right? When we experience someone offering us forgiveness, they're telling you like, you're forgiven, you're good, and they move forward. The problem is that we don't allow ourselves to move forward and we keep ourselves in bondage to that guilt and that shame and those feelings of failure. And what I, what I, picture in my mind is sitting in a prison cell and keeping myself there, but the door is wide open. There is nothing keeping me there. The door is not locked. There's not a guard present. But because I haven't truly believed in God's forgiveness and grace, I'm not allowing myself to move forward in the freedom um, that He's given us. Um, you know, God's sending Jesus to die on the cross covered all of the times that we would experience guilt and shame, but it, it's us that have trouble of, of letting go and really believing that we've been forgiven and really believing that God's grace and love for us is big enough to cover all these uh, feelings that weigh us down. And so, I mean, how do we return to grace? We just, we take one step forward and we start to truly believe that God is who he says he is and that his words are true and that when he says there's no condemnation for those who love Jesus, that he means it. That is a great analogy, B.A. You know, I'm thinking through Romans chapter 7 when Paul's talking through all of his shortcomings and his issues with sin, just this reoccurring fight. At the end of the chapter, he's kind of like at wit's end. He says, who will set me free from this body of death? Mm -hmm. You know, that's where that's I right. see myself yeah. like sitting in that 
that prison cell that you're talking about. And he says, thanks be to God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And there he is. He's standing with the keys, open up the gate, and he's inviting us, come walk out into freedom. That's right. And then 8-1 picks up, for there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it, it provides you the opportunity for that, that mental reset to be, uh, to live in the liberty of God's grace. There's an acronym that we teach at Camp Shea and BA uh, that I probably learned 60 years ago at this camp, and the acronym is GRACE, and the acronym says God's Riches at Christ's Expense. I've seen so many college students, in my eyes, I guess tens of thousands over the years, and, and grown men at men's conferences and children of all ages at camp realize grace for the first time in their life, and oftentimes it's before the cross. And we share from 2 Corinthians 5.21, and maybe this will melt in your heart today if you've been holding bitterness or, or anger or, or grudges towards somebody. But it says that God made Jesus, who knew no sin, become sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of Christ in Him. And if you can just imagine that dear, sweet, sinless man who came to this planet to love, to live, and to lay down his life, stretching out his arms and becoming every sin that we've ever committed, that you've ever committed, that I've ever committed, all of them. He literally embodies so that he can give away his righteous purity, perfection. For a young woman, she puts on the bridal gown and bridal uh, veil of Jesus's bride. For the guy, he takes on the tuxedo of being Christ's adopted. However you want to look at it in your mind, when Christ becomes our sin, we become nothing less than his righteousness. That's what grace is all about. I want to thank our listening audience for joining us in this Cry of the Heart series. Today, we talked about grace, and it's the simple statement, I am forgiven. We hope today's conversation serves to fuel your I'm Third approach to family, friendships, and spiritual growth. And with that, I would love to pray for you as we close. Father God, we come to you, and um, we are very thankful for forgiveness. It is... It is powerful. It is life-changing. I pray, God, that you would supernaturally give us the ability to receive it and then to give it, and that grace would be just a part of who we are and how we interact with people. Lord, we pray for those that, that feel bound up right now, that are sitting in a jail cell of their own making, and uh, we, we pray, God, that, that this would spur them on to take that opportunity to receive your grace and to walk out of that, that jail cell door and to experience freedom in Christ. We pray that it happened today, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope today's conversation left you encouraged, strengthened, and empowered. If you haven't had a chance, please subscribe to our podcast today to stay up to date with the latest episodes. If this podcast has helped you in any way, please consider rating us, writing a review, or sharing it with others so we can continue to build you up with an I'm Third approach to family, leadership, and spiritual growth. 
For more information about the podcast, visit canacuckpodcast.com. And for more information about Canacuck, you can visit canacuck.com. Thank you.